0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 431. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are turning our attention to a little February 2023 roundup. This roundup will be looking at movies that made their way to streaming services, cinemas and got physical releases in some cases for the month of February in 2023 in the UK ladies and gents. So after some titles here that you're like, wait one second, Duncan, that totally came out where I was. Chances are it didn't come out here. Or if it has, it didn't quite make the deadline for this recording. So with all that in mind, um, you have the following to look forward to in this episode as we cover many reviews of Missing, Knock at the Cabin, Infinity Pool, Blood, We Have a Ghost and The Out Waters. Now, Cocaine Bear has been released. It's just not been released where I can check it out yet. Um, I think it got released on Friday. We are going to go and see it Wednesday, but not enough time to do this episode. You see what I'm saying? It missed the cutoff point. Good news, point of fact, actually, is that the sequel, or prequel, actually, to X, the movie by Ty West that came out last year, Peril, is finally, finally, fucking finally getting a UK release. It is in fact coming out any few weeks' time in the UK, and I'm very much looking forward to checking it out. So that'll be part of my March coverage. Also, worth saying March right at the start. We'll be doing a little bit of Fright Fest, which means a ton of titles, but the Fright Fest movies will be covered in a separate Fright Fest episode. So we'll not be on the March Roundup episode either. So with all that out of the way, what is left this week for? You guys out there. Well, there is one more episode planned. It is an adult video assortment and I'll be dropping into your feeds on Sunday. On the t Putts Collective dropping tomorrow is our Where to Begin With episode. That'll be the first full review of our brand new series. I'm very much looking forward to that and then getting you guys involved with the action. in short order to that episode coming out. So probably... The middle of the week after you'll be getting your first doing the nasty of uh two that you'll be getting in the month of march okay shall we do this ladies and gents yes please duncan okay strange listener um you're gonna hear clips for these movies where i can get them if i have to play the trailer then i will play a trailer i'd rather not i'd rather play the clips and then we'll come back and do a non-spoiler mini review on these movies the first one is missing this is the sequel to searching and you'll find out what I made of that movie right after this. off oh, hi yes yes hi Javier lo siento pero viejo no aprende hablar and welcome back so you've just heard the trailer or clip or whatever we ended up playing for missing this one came out about a month ago Um, I think it came out a couple of weeks earlier in the States, but this is the world we live in now where we've regressed to having time difference between the release schedules. But that's a different review for a different time. Uh, This one directed by Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick is based on their screenplay and the Sev Onanen story as well. I think that's how you pronounce that, it might be Ohananen um i have no idea that's let's just put it this way i have no idea what's going on um now this guy here this uh, nicholas d johnson he was the editor on searching which was the first movie in this unlikely franchise and he's joined by will Merrick, who was also the editor on searching so they've been upgraded which I like I kind of like that I'm kind of old-school that way I kind of like the the franchise thing I used to do it on Friday the 13th that what did you do you held the boom mic in the previous movie you are know the director um the movie itself stars Tim Griffin it stars Ava Zari Lee Nia Long Kimberly Chen Storm Reed, Ken Lung, Amy Landecker Megan Suri Lisa Yamada Shari Uh, Shari Ali Specs. Um, We also have uh, Hakim de Almeida. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce his name. Rick Chambers and some other folks are in here as well. Synopsis for missing is after her mother goes missing, a young woman tries to find her from home using tools available to her online. So this is the sequel to Searching which came out, I'm trying to remember when Searching came out now, uh, it didn't feel like it was that long, 2018? 2018? 2018? Um And it pretty much follows a similar setup here, we start with, you know, a parent and child uh they seem to be getting on okay relatively but there was maybe something in the past which has kind of fractured their relationship and then the in the case of this one we invert it so in the original searching the parent has to find the child In this one in the case of missing it's the child trying to find the parent um there's a lot of misdirection a lot of A lot of misdirection, a lot of interesting ways to use uh, cameras, which aren't just mobile phones, and um, this is all right. I'll I'll be honest with you. I went to the cinema with the Baz. The Baz enjoyed this one. I thought it was okay. My biggest issue with missing is that about twenty-five minutes into I noticed that a character had said a particular thing which was then repeated about 40 minutes into something very similar so i had a firm theory of wait one second is does this mean this and then it turned out to be that so essentially the movie was playing the long game to get to something i already knew was coming and as a result of that it kind of lost me a little bit the acting for the most part is good the setup is a little bit unbelievable. But once again, you're suspending your disbelief. It's you know, it's kind of pitching itself as a kind of Hitchcockian style thriller, um and I mean, it lays itself out okay. Some characters behave in ways that don't make sense. um There's so many twists and turns that it eventually gets to the point where you're like, I, I mean, it seems a bit even even for a movie, this seems a bit far fetched. But ultimately. It resolves itself in its one hour and fifty minute runtime, which is also a tad long, in a, a relatively nice place. Um like I guess performances were good. Pacing of the movie wasn't bad, even though it did start to lose me a little bit in the middle, and ultimately I may be more attuned to most people picked up on something during the movie's script, and as a result of that, it kinda made me. Um Aware, hyper aware, shall we say, of where the movie was maybe pitching itself, and as a result, that wasn't really remarkable enough. Baz never got that though. um Baz, when he was watching the ending, felt kind of fresh and surprising to him, so as a result, he enjoyed it more than I did. So, the caveat to my review would be if you didn't pick up on that, and if you haven't seen the trailer, please avoid the trailer. Trailer gives away far too much. Um, if you hadn't seen that, hand on that, then there's a very good chance this movie will work better for you. However, if you're a bit long in the tooth, you've watched tons of thrillers and horrors and suspense before, chances are this kind of feels like a, a lot of fancy window dressing for what is a relatively pedestrian story. So there we go. Um, missing, I gave a 3 out of 5. The next movie is. Big hitter M. Night Shyamalan returning with his adaptation of Knock at the Cabin. Here's a clip. You have to understand that we cannot and will not choose who is to be sacrificed for you. And just as importantly, we cannot act for you. You cannot kill yourselves. We're not choosing anyone. We're not sacrificing anyone. Not now, not ever. Even if it means the death of everyone else in the world? Yes. Even if I believed the world was at stake, which I don't, that's what it means. I would watch the world die a hundred times over before having- oh a- Christ. Waste of time. They're never gonna choose to do this. And I don't blame them. Okie dokey M. Nick Shyamalan returning with another thriller, horror, mystery. Um, not at the cabin, it's based on a novel, which I've not read. And as a result of that, I feel that some people out there are like, well, it's just like the novel, or it's not like the novel. I'm not that guy. Um, this is based on the Paul Tremblay book, The Cabin at the End of the World. Um, the adaptation for the screenplay was done by Steve Desmond and M. Night Shyamalan himself. The movie stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Garoff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Rupert Grint, Abby Quinn, Kirsten Q, McKenna Kerrigan, uh, Ian Merrill, Peaks, and some other folks. But by this point, we're starting to sway off uh, just a little bit. Um, The synopsis for this one is listed in IMDb. As while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. So, um, I knew nothing about this movie out with the fact that it was an M Night Shyamalan movie. So I was expecting... twisty twisty ending and I obviously knew that Big Dave Batista was cast in this one he was immensely proud of what he'd done and it was being heralded as one of the better wrestling performances of a wrestler turned actor now I'm just gonna be honest here that doesn't say a lot and that never fills me with huge degrees of confidence because Although wrestlers are for the most part actors telling a story in the squared circle, when it comes to performances transcending over, I think The Rock is about as one note as it gets. Uh, not a huge fan of the John Cena, although um, I've started watching that Peacemakers, so that might that might swing me round. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin when he did movies was just Stone Cold Steve Austin, and so I'm I'm fully aware that they're, you know. That's a limit to what can be given. I will say De Batista is fine in this. He's not um, exceptional. He plays a very stoic, kind of muscle-bound, thoughtful person, which I believe in real life he probably is, from what I've heard. So yeah, I don't think he's reaching much for this performance. Um, for the most part, I thought this was really good. Um, I felt, unlike some M. Night Shyamalan movies, this was a tad predictable, and that as soon as the four strangers arrived wearing their coloured outfits that they wear, I knew who they were. Once again, I'm maybe not the, I was gonna say target audience, maybe a bit more well-read. Um, so as a result, I kinda, I kinda saw that bit. However, the movie does a surprising job of, unlike the previous movie, missing, keeping you guessing for the most part, it, it does sway back and forward to a, is this real or is this fantasy Um, and specifically to do with motivations and as a result of that that kind of keeps its interest going it doesn't have the kind of knockout twist Shyamalan ending that you would expect if anything has a more conventional ending to the majority of films the guy has released but I thought he stuck it and he stuck it well. I thought the performances across the board were really, really good. I'm not the biggest fan of Rupert Grint. I know he's doing a lot of work with Shamlan and there was it the Servant or Severin or whatever the TV show is that they're doing on Apple? I think he's okay in that. And he's good here. He's good here. His accent's a little bit ropey. Um, once you get to the actual thrust, In the movie, it it goes at a good pace, even though, once again, this is an hour and 40. 10 minutes shorter than missing, by the way. Um, This one could end up with the end of the world, so that says a lot. Um, I felt like the pacing was pretty much on point. Surprisingly, not graphic either. Um, It's a 15 in the UK, but they do tilt the camera away quite a few times to where there should be bloodshed, and other movies would, you know, maybe more... Pan the camera towards. I actually appreciated the fact that the movie isn't about that, so didn't utilise that as a kind of cheap tool. Uh, trust me, the next movie we're about to discuss, uh, you know, more than makes up for it. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of, for the most part, I think this works. I think it's got good performances, good storytelling. Um, it you know subverts your expectation for the Chandler and twist, um, and for a good. I would say third, just over a third of the movie. It had me guessing and then it fit into a pattern where I kind of expected what I got, but not in a way where I was like, I called it um, like I did with the previous movie. So I thought that was done well. It's beautifully shot. I mean, really, 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 really well shot. Um, I will be honest, as a a person from Scotland, I hated the Scottish nurse that's on telly. You always get a wee bit cringy when you hear an exaggerated there's of a Scottish accent in any movie. Um, and that's all I will say about that. Uh, yeah, Knock in the Cabin's good. I, oh, is this peak Shyamalan? No. Um, but it's not bottom of the, the barrel Shyamalan either. I think he's found a groove where he's quite happy doing kind of weirder Hollywood movies. And I think there's a place for that. And I think as a director, he's one that you should turn to to do those sort of movies. And there is, for the most part, even though he had a couple of blips in his career, uh, a, at least a barometer of quality that can be used here. A measure of that quality that will always be shot well. There'll be a good casting for the most part and it'll it'll deliver something. Um, and this one certainly did. So Knock at the Cabin got a three and a half out of five from me. Let's move on to the next movie. This is the brand new Brandon Cronenberg movie. If you're in the States, you can buy this movie or you can watch it on streaming services. I chose to buy it, uh, do a little bit of an import. This is Infinity Pool, his follow-up to Possessor. We'll be chatting a bit right after this. Number- Get the okay. let's talk Infinity Pool. This one directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg of course, the son of the mighty David Cronenberg This one stars Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth Cleopatra Coleman Dunja Setsi I think it's how you pronounce that Adam Bonch Jally Lesper Jagraki Amar Bukovic Alan Katik Thomas Critchman, and some other folks are in here as well. Synopsis for Infinity Pool is James and M. Foster are enjoying an all-exclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of La the when a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. So, um, Infinity Pool, still to get a formal release in the UK. Why? I don't know. I don't, like, what we, I, Honestly, we could gripe about this a lot, but we're not going to. Um, I was very much looking forward to this, for the most part. It's because Brandon Cronenberg is on fucking fire right now. Possessor is an incredible science fiction horror movie. And when I heard the premise of Infinity Pool, I was in. And then you give me the cast. You give me the double bill of Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. And I am sporting a chubby. Um, I was very much looking forward to seeing where this would go. And after seeing the trailer, I kind of thought I knew where it was going. But this one, once again, plays with your expectations. Uh, The trailer doesn't do this movie justice at all. But then again, in hindsight, I was trying to think how you even begin to market a movie like this. And it proved more difficult than I thought. Um, Brandon Cronenberg's a really interesting director. I know what's happening right now. We are getting constant comparisons to his father and I was in a conversation where I was like, listen, there's there's no comparison here. You know what I mean? Like, Infinity Pool is leaps and bounds better than where like just technically and you know stylistically in the writing than where david cronenberg was in his film it's like comparing apples and oranges and then i was reminded that technically if we're going genre and we're removing these race car movie um uh, david cronenberg's third movie was the brood so i will shut the fuck up for that comparison um what's well, kind of weird is it actually owes a lot to to movies like the brood Uh, It actually owes a lot more to David Cronenberg's earlier work than it does necessarily his later Uh, but Brandon Cronenberg is a really interesting voice just now he's doing a ton of stuff with kind of science fiction and kind of quasi body horror but at the same time putting a very modern very fresh twist Um, this is one that you can't give any details away from even a little bit uh, suffice to say, this one twist and turned in the most enjoyable way to the end for me. It's about two hours in runtime, and I could not take my eyes off the screen. It was at times tense and uncomfortable, absurd and funny, disgusting and perverse, and all in equal measure. It's shot beautifully. It's got some of those trippy uh, Brandon Cronenberg kind of psychedelic moments in, in the middle. And it does not spare... Anything when it comes to the practical effects. Oh my god, some of the practical effects in this are fucking incredible. Just like they were in Possessor, but he's obviously got more money to play with here, so you get more of it. Um I think performance-wise he nailed it. Um Alexander Skarsgard is known as being a very he's a Hollywood hunk, isn't he? He's and he's an A-lister to see the story subvert that and, and play with the idea of masculinity in the way that it does. Uh, is is a real joy to watch and he really revels in it in a way which kind of sells this movie hard Mia Goth can do no wrong at the moment like like I said in the intro we've still got to go and see Peril I can't wait to fucking see it but at the moment everything she touches is just gold she is incredible in this movie um English accent included which i did kind of enjoy um even though at times i kind of felt it fault or just a wee bit um i think she is phenomenal and this one like really unhinged um and at times really relatable uh, the movie like i said it weaves it twists and turns it has fun um and it also gets dark it gets really dark in parts and and genuinely it's one of those movies where like I will remember Infinity Pool at the end of the year. Even for good or bad, I would remember Infinity Pool at the end of the year, just for the journey it took, it took me on. It's not the most original concept, but the way Cronenberg delivers it in the movie, it felt fresh. And as a result, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really well put together science fiction horror movie in the best possible way with great performances. And it delivers good practical effects. Uh, I mean can't say enough good things about it they really they really delivered um so yeah infinity pool lived up to everything I kind of hoped it would be and I'll I'll go ahead and say it without any shame infinity pool is my favorite horror movie that I've seen this year thus far yes I know what you're saying out there dear listener there's so much more left to watch and I'm gonna agree with you there is but to me this is a five-star movie it delivered everything I wanted And then a little bit more. I think Brandon Cronenberg and me would be BFFs if we met each other in real life. He has a connection straight to my cerebellum? Cerebral cortex? Something in my brain. Uh, The thing that makes me go, ooh, and the thing that makes me go, mmm. Infinity pool, five out of five from this guy. We are going to now take another break. You're going to hear a clip for Blood. This movie here is the return of director Brad Anderson. You might remember him. He of Session 9 fame. We're going to discuss his movie right after this. Hey, just listen. Hey, you deserve to know what's going on, alright? And I'm going to do my best to tell you, okay? Can you be quiet? Okay. Okay. Don't say word. What? What is this? What? stop. Don't make this harder than it already is, okay? All right, if you can't keep quiet, I'll put the gang back in, do you understand? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My son is... He's very sick. And I don't know what's wrong with him. And I don't know how to make him better. But I know how to keep him alive. But to do that, I need your help. You don't have kids. You're not a mother. You don't understand To save your child. No. No. Thank you. And welcome back. So, Blood. This is directed by Brad Anderson based on the screenplay by Will Honley. This one stars Michelle Monaghan, Skeet Ulrich, Finley Woltak Hissog, June B. Wilde, Skyler Morgan Jones, Danica Frederick, Jennifer Rose Garcia, Sarah Constable, Annalie Ames, and Candace Smith. The synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb. Jess, a separated mother and nurse, moves with her daughter and young son Owen back into her old farmhouse. Shortly after settling in, Owen is bitten by the dog, resulting in a mysterious infection from the bite. Um. I like Brad Anderson, right? Let me let me just put that out. Let me put out the positives at the start here. I like Brad Anderson as a director. I think he he's interesting. He's, like, really, really, really interesting. I think it's very easy to purely, purely focus on the work that he did um, on Session 9, which I still attest to this day is an incredible horror movie. It's a horror movie that... Uh, it premises itself around, you know, being shot primarily in the daylight, which shouldn't work, but totally works. He's had a fairly inconsistent career since then he's done some stuff that i think is phenomenal i i genuinely love the machinist with christian bale i think it's twisty kind of really uncomfortable i enjoyed what he did on masters of horror um but he's done a ton of tv stuff he's worked like almost predominantly on a shitload of tv and you know he's he's carving out a career for himself He's done a few movies. None of them have really ever really linked back to me in any way where I felt like, yeah, this is what we're getting. He did that movie Fractured a few years ago, which I thought was okay. And then he did that. He uh, worked on um, Peacemaker, the aforementioned Peacemaker that we, we spoke about earlier on, and Devil in Ohio, which is still a TV show that I have to watch. But this is him returning with Blood. And the best compliment I can give him for Blood is the movie shot well. Unfortunately, that's kind of where the story falls over. Um, there's a there's a there's a germ of an idea in here which I think is really cool, and it's mostly about how sacrificing something of yourself for your child, which will leave you for no for lack of a better word, drained um, when you yourself are a former addict where the symptoms of that is being, you know, giving off the perception of being tired and drained. There's an interesting idea in there, but it's surrounded by a tale which feels very old at this point. I I can't give away anything here, but it falls into the trappings of a kind of horror trope that seems to have picked up a ton of ground in like the last decade, where we're getting a lot of these movies. and I'm not talking about movies that involve characters drinking blood, rather the... I might as well just say the term the idea of a changeling um, I've kind of seen enough of these now and this movie doesn't really do much above the ask of that, it almost kind of feels like it's a, a kind of back drop to a family drama, of which the family drama is one of the least interesting things here, the idea of um recovering addiction is really interesting covered really well in that A24 movie The Monster and I kind of feel like at its best I could have hoped to be a fraction of that Michelle Monaghan is okay in this she's much better in other stuff it it does kind of feel like she's trying to find an identity in the role but kind of falls apart a little bit Skeet Ulrich is I don't don't even know if he's actually doing anything other than the default Skeet Ulrich performance, but the kid here, uh, Finley Woltag, his song is great. So he really revels in this kind of monstrous performance and, and delivers in a really interesting way. I, I, I enjoyed his performance here. The movie is sadly a bit too long. This is an hour and 50 minutes and a huge section of this is the family drama. There is a great performance here by June B Wild, who's been in a few things recently, um, I enjoyed. Um, and her setup is kind of tragic, but I feel that whole section runs on far too long itself. Um, so I, I wasn't sold on this one, and it kind of hurt me to say it. It's not that it necessarily does anything bad, or even necessarily puts its foot wrong. It's just telling a tired story now, any fashion which it doesn't lend itself to reappraisal there's not enough time in between these changeling movies we just had one recently um and the performances felt a bit hammy and the family drama felt too forced and there, like i say there's an idea about addiction and recovery and how that would play upon someone who is trying to keep their children whilst at the same time having to drain herself to keep our children. I don't even know if that makes sense. I I genuinely don't. Um, Yeah, this was a slog. I I, I really don't have a huge amount of exciting things to say about it, so I'm just going to bring it in. I gave this one a a 2.5 out of 5. It was probably my least favourite movie. Out of all the ones I saw in February, let's turn our attention to Netflix to Christopher Landon. You may know him; he has done uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, and Freaky, and he's returning with the brand new uh, comedy horror, is how I'm going to put this. We have a ghost. Here's a clip. That woman called again, Leslie. Christ. Agent Leslie, what a lovely surprise. I've been calling your office for the past three days. Really? I didn't you saw really. this, right? Uh, no clue. It's an RHE. Leslie, I really appreciate you coming all the way down here, but. I ran prelim diagnostics. I couldn't find any foreign artifacts. Digital forensics? Clean. This one's real. We need to reopen Wizard Clip. That program was mothballed 20 years ago. And for a good reason. This is our chance to prove once and for all that spectral phenomena it's not some fantasy. Let's go. Thanks for coming down. Please, he's real. He's real. Agent Shipley. He's real. Please. Okie dokie, we have a ghost, written and directed by Christopher Landon, based on the short story story Ernest by Jeff Monog. Uh, this movie stars Jala Diel Winston, uh, David Harbour, Anthony Mackie, Erica Ashe, and Niles Fitch, Isabella Russo, Tig Notoro, Tom Bauer, Sean Boyd, Nicholas X Parsons, Steve Coulter, Scott A. Martin, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Peggy Walton Walker and there's a few other famous faces in here as well. Well, synopsis for this movie is listed on the IMDb's. Finding a ghost named Ernest haunting their new home turns Kevin's family into overnight social media sensations. But when Kevin and Ernest investigate the mystery of Ernest's past, they become a target of the CIA. Um, So, you will see a lot of articles. You will read a lot of things which will tell you that this movie here, right now, is like a straight up comedy without teeth. And there's a horror director out there who's just making like movies for kids. And I would agree with some of that. Um, I watched this with my eight year old daughter who fucking loved it. Like absolutely loved it. I watched it with my wife, um, my daughter, myself. We all sat down, um, watched the movie together, bowl of Doritos in front of us and had a ball. And I enjoyed the fact that she enjoyed it. Um, it's very funny. Right? Christopher Landon is a, he is he is he great director at capturing not just slapstick moments but moments of comedy. His timing is is really really genuinely great. And it has a great cast. This movie. I I love David Arbor who like does the majority of this movie, if not all of this movie, without dialogue. Um, Anthony Mackey is always great to see on screen and the movie is like it's almost the the, the show is stolen by Jaladiel Winston who plays the main character of Kevin um, Isabella Russo who plays Joy his next-door neighbor and Tig played, uh, who plays a character called Dr Leslie Monroe in the background um, I think they, those characters are really 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 fun and interesting the portrayal of the CIA which is like some sort of really goofy X-Files is kind of fun as well. They kind of touched on that in Happy Death to you at the end, this kind of idea of what the CIA would be involved with with the paranormal, which one day we might get that third instalment. But ultimately, it's not a horror movie. There's a scene which is reminiscent of Indiana Jones and um, what would be... Uh, what was the first one? Um, not end, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there's a scene that's kind of reminiscent of that, but it's mostly a kind of family... It's a family movie, it's a family comedy with kind of like a horror element and the supernatural in the background. And it works, it really, really works. This movie is about two hours long. Pacing was never an issue for me. Performances were good, effects were great. Uh, Chris Landon, like I've said before, is a great director. You might not like his particular brand of movies, but you can't take away from them that Guy can direct. And it's great to see him with a bit of Netflix money behind him as well. I know he's the producer on the upcoming remake of Arachnophobia and I'll check that one out, I loved Arachnophobia but I'm not precious about it, they can never make it, it's not like Jaws Uh, they remake it all they want Um, and it's kind of cool seeing David Harbour play something that isn't Stranger Things or Hellboy Um, he's really really good in this, he's really really good in this Um, some of the effects and even the way it kind of resolves itself uh, you've seen stuff like this before, specifically the way it resolves itself. Once again, this has a plot device twist in it, which, if you were paying attention, you pretty much saw it coming. Uh, but I delivered it in a in a really fun way. Plenty of laugh out loud moments. The kid loved it. I was smiling all the way through it. Is it you know end of year list making? No. Is it one of the best you know comedy horror movies, horror comedies of the year? No. Did I have a ball watching it? Yes. There's no way that I could argue against that. Ultimately, I gave this movie a straight down the middle kind of three and a half out of five. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Would recommend it. Recommend other people go away and check it out as well. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. It's It's a three and a half. It's a ton of fun. It's on Netflix. Go and check it out. You will smile. And if you don't smile, you clearly weren't in the mood. Right, so we have one movie left. This is the one that's getting all the buzz. If Skinner rink was getting all the buzz last month, this is the movie that's getting all the buzz this month. We are going to be looking at The Outwaters. Here's a clip. Mm. Last night, uh huh, she was like coming out of like a black storm, and it was her body, but her arms were part of the storm. Yeah, I had weird dreams, too. <laughs> Can I hug you for a second? Yeah, oh, <laughs> sorry. There's a lot of bees. Yeah, we need to like leave. Oh my god. Welcome back. So you've just heard a clip for the Outwaters. This is written and directed by Robbie Bantfich, who is also in the movie in the cast, along with Angela Basilis, Scott Chamel, Michelle May, Leslie Ann Bantfich, and yeah, some other folks in here as well. A synopsis for this one is listed on the IMDBs is four travelers encounter menacing phenomena while camping in a remote stretch of the Mojave Desert. Um, Right, so it's getting all the buzz because this is the one where they're saying this legitimately, if you thought Skinner Marink was scary, wait till you see The Outwaters. Uh, You will not believe your eyes. One of the most traumatizing found footage movies of the year. And it's available on Screenbox in the States. So unless you've got a VPN and a good friend that will allow you to use their Screenbox VPN, uh, you ain't going to see this one for a while. I don't know when the UK are releasing it. I can't imagine it's going to be hella long, um, but I don't know what platform it would arrive on. I imagine if anything, it's likely just to appear on like a DVD somewhere down the road. Um, This is a frustrating movie for me. I think, once again, there are some elements in this movie that are done really, really well and are really interesting conceptually, and then I think there are other elements in this movie that are kind of baseline dumb, like it falls into a trap, a trap that a lot of fan footage movies fall into that I kind of feel in 2023 we need to put into bed, and the big one is, what the fuck is going on with the camera, why is it still recording? Um so yeah, so we have four four people um, who travel to uh, the Mojave Desert on uh, a bit of a jolly. They're away, you know, being all creative, etc. And while they're there, strange noises and earthquakes appear to be happening. It's worth saying that the earth, earthquakes are happening and the thunderstorms are happening. Are happening before they go to the desert but appears they've taken them with them and something bigger is at play here now if I was being honest which I am and um, I will tell you right now I have an idea of what is going on in this movie but as a theory and the movie doesn't lend itself to anything other than your interpretation and theories um, As a found footage goes, it really makes you have to suspend your disbelief as to how the camera is still running um, and also why it's still there. I couldn't quite resign myself to that. At times it just felt kind of frustrating and I know someone out there is going to be like, well, you just have to get over that Duncan, That's that's the conceit of the found footage genre and i would say shut the fuck up the the, like the the conceit of the found footage genre is that you are finding footage that has been shot by someone who has recorded it for purpose and if that purpose is to make a documentary or to capture this footage so everyone can see for prosperity what happens right i'll let you off with that that is not the case with this movie Uh, i'm assuming The insinuation is, this is a GoPro that's left on. Which, okay, but our character gets naked at some point. Takes everything off, but then leaves the camera on or keeps picking up the camera. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, I kinda saw the twist coming in the middle, which is a theme for this one. I think I just need to stop watching movies. I predict things a bit too much. To me, it felt kinda obvious where this was going. By the midway point, um, and then it gives you a lot of twists and turns, and yet surely does get very weird. It uh, tries to outweird the movie, like The Borderlands, for example, or Final Prayer, I think is what it was called in the states. Doesn't quite get to that. Plays with a lots of different ideas about timelines, dimensions, um, even at, like a, on some level a bit of a paradox, um, and really revels in its practical effects. Which I know some people were really dig into me, they just felt cheap. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then by the end, it ends in a in a way where I kind of felt like it was going deliberately for a shock factor, which it just wasn't going to get from me. And it's long. There's an hour and 50 minutes. There's an hour and 50 minutes of screams, loud noises, and lights being out. And I'm, I'm maybe just not the audience for this. Maybe I'm just getting too old. There could be a bit of that as well. Um... Some of it was really interesting. The actual ideas that it flirts with without confirming themselves are quite interesting. Um, this idea of almost kind of like a cross between like a crack in the fabric of time and just a crack in the fabric of our character's perception is kind of cool if the camera wasn't on all the time to give us a kind of semi, semi-linear reveal of time, which doesn't make sense when the reveal is given at the end. That makes sense. To anyone that's watched it, hopefully that makes sense. So ultimately this was frustrating. I kind of thought there was a lot that it did, specifically with the, the initial first half of the movie, that was really, really, really cool. The last half of the movie, which I know is the bit that's getting all the press at the moment, is just lazy to me. Just really lazy writing. Um, okay practical effects and an ending which just ultimately felt dumb um so yeah a frustrating watch for me it has its moments and i I did like the first half of the setup it kind of feels like a vhs short which has just been extended out for two hours um and that's frustrating to me ultimately the outwaters got a three out of five for me kind of disappointed by it if i'm telling the truth so there you go. That's our final movie review. I'm going to take my final break of this episode. When I come back, and close closing the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 431. This has been our February roundup of brand new horror movies that I checked out this month. Some were on streaming services, some were in the theatre, some were physical copies, but unless you're solely in the UK, most of these are watchable now. And the ones that aren't, I dare say will be before the year is out. We'll be doing another one of these at the end of March. Very much looking forward to that because there is a few movies, including a certain cocaine bear, that we'll be covering at that time. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Where so you your listeners right now? Hit subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop. Subscribe to our sister feed, the t Collective, to get all those shows as well. And then you're covered with everything that I release from under the stairs. Alternatively, you can jump across and visit the website, teapotscast.com. Links to all our shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws, His Shite, and other regrettable outbursts. A booze-based banter and entertainment podcast, which is bringing one back real fucking soon and wait for it. The next episode will be in video format. That's right. The unthinkable has happened. We're all leveling up for our first ever video podcast on Jaws is Shite. Super excited to say the least. And that will be dropping hopefully within the next month. Jaws is Shite and other regrettable Bloodbursts is found on tbutzcast.com. If you want to interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash T-Putscast gets you the podcast under the stairs. T-Puts Collective is just simply facebook.com forward slash t And lastly, Jaws's Shite can be found at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. If you're on the Instas and the Twitters, the twin prongs of social media sexiness, you can reach out and interact with myself and the Baz at t for both the podcast Under the Stairs returns on Sunday with an Arrow video assortment for your listening pleasure. So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.